Well, it's lovely to see when when Betty uh, phoned. I think I was in Scotland, wasn't I? Um, it's been a, a really interesting 12 months for us. Um, until uh, the end of June last year, I was the pastor at Ludlow Elim Church. I'd been there for 14 and a half years. And uh, I thought it was going reasonably well. Um, but we had elderly parents that we were traveling back from Ludlow to Hagley, um, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week, sometimes four times a week. And it just became to the point that it was just not sustainable. And so we had concluded that it was right for us to, uh, to move from Ludlow. And then a number of things happened, which uh, we don't need to go into, but a number of things happened that sort of hastened that. <clears throat> and uh, so we, we left Ludlow about 12 months ago, and uh, we've been living at Lawnswood, literally just up the road from where Carl Bridgewater was murdered just all those years ago. And um, uh, been looking for a house, and we've now found a house in Hagley, so we'll be closer to our parents uh, to uh, keep an eye on them. At 91, 87 nearly, and 84, that's becoming a bit of a job. Um, and we don't say that in any way. We're not, we're not, we know that God wants us to care for our parents. We know that. We, we have no doubt about it. Um, but it just took us by surprise when it happened, as things sometimes do. And then, of course, you think, or I thought, well, we'll get ourselves established back in the Stourbridge area and we'll look for someone in. And there's, there's hundreds of people that'll want me to preach. And there's dozens of churches that'll want me to go and pastor. And we applied for lots of things. And this is the absolute truth. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. I've applied for dozens upon dozens upon dozens of things, especially Christmas seasonal work. And I got one interview for Pandora Jewelry on Merry Hill. And there is a whole story to that. And if you want to hear it, I'll tell it you, but now is not the time. Okay, ask me afterwards and I'll tell you. For those of you that know Judith's mum, particularly Molly, um, she's not at all well. She's uh, going up and then coming down and uh, it's more down than up at the moment. And uh, so we just, uh, that's where Judith is this morning. Uh, so we just need to sort of love her and sort of keep her eyes on the Lord. And of course, uh, she wants to go home, is the truth. She wants to go home. And uh, she's asking questions like, Tim, why isn't God letting me go to be with him? Well, I'm sorry, you can't put your order in for that. So we just have to pray that God will sustain and strengthen. But pray, because that is what we're engaged with. But I do have an interview this week for a, for a, for a role where I might, I might get a job. You never know. I might be financially viable again. And uh, so you, if you want to, you might like to pray about that for this coming week. And uh, if that's meant to be, then I'm sure that it will be. But it's been a joy to sort of look forward to coming back to, to be with you. And several people have said, well, how long was it since you last preached? And I think it's got to be probably 16 years, somewhere around there. Um, if you take into account all the other things that have happened. And um, I can go back even further than that. When I first got a call from your father, Jane Walter, to say, would I come and preach on a Wednesday? And, and people said to me, oh, you're going to St. Paul's. Oh, you'll have to preach the word. And you'll have to preach for at least an hour. <laughs> and on a Wednesday night behind here somewhere, uh, that's what it was. And uh, Walter and Derek and, and others who would come faithfully. 
And then sometimes you'd give me a Sunday and we'd be up here in a pulpit somewhere and uh, I didn't know which book I was using and that was okay, that was fine because I was there to preach and that was the bit I was looking forward to. Uh, but we've, we've, we've known each other, haven't we? And uh, we've loved each other and respected each other and, th- and thank you for your invitation this morning. It's a, it's a great joy uh, for me to be here. <clears throat> so I'm going to preach this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles... And uh, I'm using the English Standard Version. Uh, I use all sorts of versions uh, these days. I haven't got to the Koran yet, although somebody gave me a copy of the Koran just the other day. He'd been witnessing in Birmingham, uh, an older fella, probably 70s, and he'd gone into Birmingham, he'd gone to witness, and some Muslims had come up to him and said, you need to read the Koran. He said, well, he said, okay, I've got to say, I've never read the Koran. And so they gave him three copies of the Koran. And so he gave one to me because he thought I needed to read it as well. You draw your own conclusions. So I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to verse 15. And Paul writes this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May God add a blessing to that reading from his word. It'd be quite tempting for me as a Pentecostal minister, I am an Elim-ordained minister, it'd be very tempting for me just to take that single phrase, be filled with the Spirit, and preach on it on this Pentecost Sunday. But the truth is, if that's all I did, I'd be selling you short. And I'm not going to do that. I'd be devaluing the Word of God, and I'm certainly not going to do that. You see, I want to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit was not given you to make you a sideshow. He wasn't given you so that you could be even turbocharged in your exuberant praise and worship of God. That's not why the Holy Spirit was given. He certainly wasn't given to make you rude and arrogant in your evangelism. How do I know that? I know that because Jesus told us in John 16, 13 and 14 that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth and He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit can't guide you to be rude, disrespectful or arrogant if He's to glorify God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Whilst there's no doubt that the Scripture commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I need to give you some context for that instruction. And the context comes in the passage that I've read to you this morning. And it starts with this. Be imitators of God as beloved children. God is your heavenly Father, and Christ is, is your spiritual brother. 
How do I know that? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Aren't you glad about that this morning? We've sung it, I am a child of God. That's what you are. Many years ago, I took Judith to hear David Pawson in Birmingham, and uh, it was at the Methodist Central Hall in, in Birmingham, and in the break, I took her over to a coffee bar, and we went, and we sat down, we had lovely coffee, and I went to get Gatto, because you can't have coffee without Gatto, come on. We got a nice piece of coffee and walnut Gatto, and the lady, she got a table, Judith got the table, and I go to get the drinks and the coffee. It seems to be the way of it, so I haven't really learned that she always gets the table, and I always go to pay. I must, I must do something about that. But I went to get the Gatto, and the lady said to me, would you like cream with your Gatto? What a stupid question. Of course I want cream with my gatto. And she gets this huge piping sleeve and she starts to pipe cream over the gatto. And I'm just enjoying watching it. And she's about half covered it and she says to me, tell me when to stop. I didn't. She covered it. Do you know, I want to think, I want to show you, that's what the Bible is talking about when it says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on you. He's surrounded you. He's covered you. He's gone beyond what you expected. You are completely blessed because you are a child of God. Oh, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I need somebody to say amen every now and again. I told him at Upper Gornal a few weeks ago, the longer it takes you to say amen, the longer I'll preach. That's right. Oh, I see. Okay. I come on as well. Romans 8, 16, 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit, one of the things he wants to do, he wants to keep tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you're a child of God. You see, I want to tell you this morning, who you are affects how you behave. My dad, when I was growing up, when I discovered girls, I'd get myself all dolled up. And before I went out, he always said this to me. He said, Tim, you're a Coles. Be honorable. Can I tell you this morning who you are and whose you are affects how you behave. The effective, spirit-filled Christian life is not just a function, that is something that we do, it's a relationship between Him and us. It's who we are. We are spirit-filled people. So Paul, knowing that, says that we're to do what children do best. We're to imitate those that gave us spiritual birth. I've got two kids. They're not uh, children anymore, of course, 27 and 24, Matthew and Sarah. Matthew is now flying long haul for BA. Didn't he do well? None of his father's skill and dexterity went to him. He got it all of his own. I tell you, I cannot do that, okay? I've been on a simulator. He, he allowed me. He got me onto a simulator when he was training, and I crashed the 737 airplane. It was great doing it, but I crashed the 737. He can do it. I can't. He's now flying long haul. Sarah's a teacher. Uh, down in, in Oxfordshire. But the problem is this. Our kids imitate some of the things that we do. 
Sometimes I wish it wasn't true. Because sometimes I see them doing something and I think that's just what I would do. Matthew bought himself a piece of equipment about 12, 18 months ago. We went to the bank, he drew out some money. I think the advert was for £150 or something. He took £30 out, folded it, put it in his pocket, put £120 in the envelope. He went to get the equipment. He told the man, look, here's the envelope. I've only got £120. That's all I can give you. And the man said, I'll take it. And I thought, that's not right, but I'm sorry. I see something of me. I see something of me. You are your heavenly fathers. And he's put the Holy Spirit in you so that you can live for him. You see, in 1 Peter, 5, uh, 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16, it says, As he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in your conduct. Your conduct and your behavior matters. How you speak, how you dress, how you talk, your reactions and your actions, your aspirations. You're to imitate Christ. It matters because God is holy and you are to become more like him. If you allow selfishness and greed and rudeness and ungratitude to be your character, then you are not imitating God. Let me tell you, this is not natural. You need the Holy Spirit within you to war against the natural to produce the godlike character. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let me tell you this morning, you cannot get around the fact that in life people will upset you. People will hurt you. People will talk behind your back. About it. They're rotters. People will take what is rightfully yours, they'll preen over it to show how pleased they are that they got one over on you. And your response is to be gracious and to be kind and to be forgiving. Why? Because that's what God, through Christ, did for you. And he puts the Holy Spirit in your heart so that you can be like Christ. If you're mistreated, if you're misrepresented, if you're physically or verbally abused, trust God to do what he does best to redeem the situation. In Christ alone, we sang this morning. You imitate Christ when you forgive and show grace rather than try and stand up for your own rights or look for revenge. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We're to imitate Christ. But that's not all we're to do because the passage goes on. It says, you're also to walk in love, verse 2. The word walk has the implication of moving forwards. I wonder if you're moving and advancing in your Christian life as you seek to imitate Christ. I sometimes ask people, how many years have you been a Christian? And they'll say, oh, I've been a Christian five years or ten years or fifty years, whatever it might be. You know, if I told you this morning that I was 15, you'd say, he's a liar. But if I told you I was 105, you'd say, he's a liar. I'm going to tell you, oh, she's looking at me, I'm going to tell you, 
I'm not telling anybody else, I'm just telling you. I'm 59. I know I look younger. I'm 59. You look at me now and you think, well, yeah, he's about the right size. He's about the right level of grayness. Yeah, he, he looks probably as though he probably is. We think that's probably the truth. Well, I, I tell you this morning, I'm sure Dave will do it. I certainly did it when people came to church at Ludlow for the first time. And they'll say to you sometimes, oh, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And you're looking for 20 years worth of fruit. And quite often you don't see it. Because some of the time we spend some of those years going around in circles, don't we? Paul tells us that we are to walk in love. Perhaps if you're going around in circles, you need to experience the Holy Spirit helping you to walk in love. Because 1 John 4 verse 8 tells me that God is love. John 3.16 tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him would not perish, would not go around in circles, but have everlasting life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It protects, trusts, hope, perseveres. Love never fails. The sad thing about Christianity in our country today is that we are known more for what we're against than for what we are for. We need to walk in love, my dear friends. We need to walk in love towards the Muslim. This chap who I talked about a little earlier who gave me a Quran, what courage it took for him to witness to a Muslim. The most amazing video I've ever seen in my life is a time-lapse video of a juggernaut lorry going into a compound in Tehran and for the back doors to be open and for it to be filled with uh, the Bible and people coming from all sorts of places and just taking three or four copies of the Bible. It took something like five hours for that lorry to be emptied but it happened over a period of time and they did it as a time-lapse video and it's an absolutely amazing thing to see. There are Muslims in Iran being saved today. Hallelujah. I've seen Muslims in West Bromwich being baptized as believers in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We need to walk in love towards our Muslim brothers and sisters. We need to walk in love towards those who are caught in a cycle of drug abuse. We need to walk in love towards those that are caught in a cycle of relationship abuse. Let's not be known for what we're against. Let's be known for what we're for. Let's walk in love. But that's only part of the context, of course, because Paul goes on in verse 15 and says, walk wisely. I think that, that wise walk is about being purposeful. You see, God has told us what we're to be about. He's told us that we're to make disciples to witness for him. I used to be really scared about witnessing. I didn't like it very much because every time I tried, people argued and I didn't have an answer. Or people said horrible things to me or 
did something that made, a, made it very clear that they didn't like me. And then one day, I had an experience of the Holy Spirit that I will call being filled with the Holy Spirit. And now I can't stop myself. Do you know, last Friday, not this last Friday, the Friday before, there was a prayer walk as part of the Thy Kingdom Come going on through Shropshire. And I joined it just for a short part uh, in Telford where I, I work on a Friday. And um, before we left the particular place at Ironbridge where I picked the walk up, we prayed, God, give us opportunities to talk to people about you. We walked less than half a mile and there was a lady and she was lent on a garden gate. And we were just admiring a view at that particular point. And she called across from the gate and she said, what are you doing? Well, that's not surprising, is it? If you see people that you don't know, you know, you're going to say, what are you doing? And so we said, well, actually, we're on a prayer walk. And we started to talk to her about what we were doing and why we were doing it. I'd love to tell you she knelt down on the ground and gave her life to Jesus. She didn't. But I tell you what, we asked God to give us opportunities, and he gave us opportunities. Can I tell you this morning, you will meet all sorts of people next week that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It's to be a conversational thing. It's to be a thing that comes out of you so naturally. Not a forced thing, three points. It's not I've got to give my testimony starting at 1980 and coming through to 2019. They'll be bored by the time you've got to 1984, let me tell you. You need to be able to tell your story in 100 words what God has done for you. We need to walk wisely. We're to be about witnessing for him. We need to be involved in making disciples, Matthew 28, verse 19. We're to be engaged in prayer, Matthew, verse, Matthew 6, verse 6. Engaged in worship, John 4, 23. Listen, if we're not engaged in those four fundamentals, then we're out of kilter. And Satan will find it easy to come, to steal, to kill and destroy from us that which the Spirit would put into us. We'll be in danger of being part of that group that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 11 and 12, where he talks about the love of most will grow cold. Thirdly, Paul says, understand what God's will is. I remember preaching here on knowing God's will. It was one of the first messages I did here, David. Um, I, I don't know whether I could find the notes. I certainly couldn't find it at the moment. It's in a box somewhere in readiness for our move, but um, I know that was one of the first messages I ever preached here. Let me give you seven things, because, do you know what people are always saying to pastors? I'm sure they say to you, Dave, how can I know the will of God? If I could have a £10 note for every time I've been asked that question, I'd be going to Barbados on my holidays. Yes, yes, that's true. Let me give you seven things that the Bible tells you. I already know without thinking that these seven are things that God wants you to be able to do. In Micah 6 and verse 8, it says, Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. Be consistent with everybody. Don't treat somebody like that over there and somebody like that over there. Be consistent. Go above and beyond because God went above and beyond for you. Be humble. Luke 9, 23, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. I, I want to tell you this. You know, we, we've preached this free gospel and it's not a free gospel. It doesn't cost you to believe in Jesus, but it'll cost you to live for Jesus. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself and follow him. 
1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, be sanctified, be holy. Here's a good one. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. You want to know what the will of God is? Let me give you 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's been tough for us in the last 12 months. There have been people that have said and done things that we didn't expect. And 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8 doesn't just say when people, people are being nice to you. It says, give thanks for all things in all circumstances. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, it's God's will that all would be saved. Hebrews 10, 36, it's God's will that you persevere. You don't give up. 1 Peter 2, verse 5, that by doing good, you will silence foolish people. Do good. Look for opportunities to do good. You might say to me, Tim, this is Pentecost Sunday, you haven't spoken much about the Holy Spirit yet. Well, I think I have. Because it's impossible to walk in love, it's impossible to be wise, it's impossible to know God's will. You cannot divorce those things from knowing the Holy Spirit. Paul's language, when he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's about go on being filled and be filled to the point of overflowing. When Sarah was a little girl, we used to play a game. When she got off the feeder cups and she'd got a proper size cup, plastic cup, I would fill it to within about a half an inch of the top to see if she could pick it up and drink it without spilling it. Do you know what? I'd really, really forgotten that I did that. And she came home uh, for the Whitson holiday um, just this, this uh, few weeks ago. And we were sat at the table and Judith and her were, were doing the meal and I was laying the table and all of that stuff and I finished first, so I sat down. And uh, she said, what do you want to drink, Dad? I said, oh, I'll have some nice cold water out the fridge, please, darling. So she gets a nice, she gets the jug of nice cold water and she fills the glass and she brings it and it's filled, oh, I don't know, two millimeters from the top and she placed it down ever, ever so carefully and she sat down with that sort of uh, cat that's got the cream look, you know, on her face. She said, let's see how you get on, Dad. Do you know what? I'd completely forgotten, but she hadn't forgotten. I've got to tell you, I've got a shaky hand. I've always had a shaky hand. I think a few drops sort of came down the side of the glass, which she found incredibly am uh, amusing. But it reminded me that God fills us up to the brim because he wants us to overflow. He doesn't want you to exist with something down the bottom of the barrel. He wants you to be overflowing. And he wants you to keep on being filled, keep on being filled, keep on being filled, keep on being filled. It's a bit like, you know, we had a fridge once, we, we left it at Ludlow, but we had a fridge where it was connected to some water and it, it just kept refilling. It was marvellous. You kept having lovely ice cold water. It was fantastic. God wants to keep on filling you. And the language that he uses is urgent. It's urgent that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot live for Christ without the Holy Spirit. He comes to bring God's character to you. And without him, you'll fail in what God longs to do through you without the power of the Spirit. 
It's a universal language that Paul is using. It's not just for the pastor or the minister or the leaders, the deacons, the elders, whatever it is in in your particular setting. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Everyone. Anyone who knows Jesus as their personal saviour, be they 10 years old, be they 100 years old, they need the Holy Spirit. It's universal. It's unqualified. You don't have to have achieved something for God before you get it. You don't have to have been a church member for a certain length of time. The gift of the Holy Spirit is, a wor- is, a, is an act of grace to you that God gives you, whoever you are, because he comes to equip you. He comes to empower you. He comes to direct you so that all the things you find hard in your Christian life, the Holy Spirit will suddenly make it easy. Let's think about that for a minute. We find witnessing hard. I've already alluded to that. We find worship sometimes hard. We find walking a holy life hard. The Holy Spirit comes to empower you in those areas. There are 23 titles of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I'm going to preach on every one of them five minutes on it. No, I'm not. Let me just highlight four to you very quickly this morning. John 14, verse 6, the Holy Spirit is called the Counselor. Is there anyone here this morning who sometimes wonders which path they should take? Which decision is the right one? Whoever throws their hands up in horror and says, I don't have a clue what to do next. The Holy Spirit is the counsellor. He's available to you to empower your thinking so you make the right decision. In Zechariah 12 verse 10, he's called the Spirit of Grace. I talked earlier about somebody pinching your parking space. Anybody here ever want to get even? Maybe it's not a parking Sorry. Uh, I, I, apparently, I parked on the wrong side this morning. There's a yellow stripe down my car. No, no, we're teasing. I'm teasing. I'm really teasing. But we do sometimes, don't we? Somebody says something or does something, and we think, I'll have them. I'll have them. It might take a bit of time, but I'll have them. They'll know what they did to me. Oh, come on. I'm not the only one who thinks like that. Yeah. (laughs) You need to, because I'm going to keep preaching. He's the Spirit of grace. He's the Spirit of grace who pours His oil, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, pours His oil onto those troubled waters to actually remove those feelings from you so that you can walk in love and in grace. Couldn't you use the Spirit of grace? In Romans 1 verse 4, he's called the Spirit of holiness. Anybody here this morning who ever struggles with thoughts or actions that they know are wrong and they repeat again and again and again and you hate yourself for it? We need the Holy Spirit. In Jude, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, he's called the spirit of power. Anyone here this morning feel inadequate as I seek to live for God, witness for God, worship for God? Couldn't you use the spirit of power to enable you, to empower you? You see, the spirit-filled life that Paul writes about in this passage, it's marked out, first of all, by worship. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the melody of your heart. Can I tell you, God doesn't care whether you're a hymn book person or a Hillsong person. He doesn't care. But he wants to hear your expression of love for him coming deep from within your heart and bursting out through your mouth. The Spirit-filled life is secondly marked out by gratitude, giving thanks always and for everything. God wants, you, God wants to hear your gratitude for what he has given you. Do you know that something like, I forget the figure, something like 50% of the world's population live on less than $2 a day? You and I could not live on anywhere like that kind of figure. God doesn't care what you spend 90% of your income on. He cares what you do with the 10%. That's to be brought into the storehouse. He wants you to be generous. He wants you to be grateful. The Spirit-filled life is marked out thirdly by being accountable, by being submissive to each other out of reverence for Christ. I want to tell you this morning, we need the Holy Spirit, not because we want to be Pentecostal, but because we want to be Christ-like. So how do we get the Holy Spirit? Luke 11, 9 to 13. So I say to you, Jesus said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So this morning, all we need to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you come and empower me that I might be the person you want to be? So there's no holes in my life. So I can walk with my head held high. I can walk in love wisely and understanding God's will. I can be empowered to witness, to worship, and to walk in a holy way with power. Can I tell you, it's what you need. It's what our communities need. It's what our nation needs. It's what our world needs. Are Christians living, imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. May God help us to ask that we may receive. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our God and Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's accessible to us. We thank you that we can hear it, we can read it, we can check it out with all kinds of resources online these days. But the central message is the same. You would know us and you would empower us by your Spirit to be witnesses for you. Lord, send your Spirit that we might be the people you want us to be. And help us to live for you in such a way 
that others find you for themselves. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing again in a minute, but just as David comes, I've just thought of a little something that I wanted to uh, share earlier. Ludlow, of course, is uh, quite...